are listening to Fika with Vicky on United Public Radio, 107.7 and 105.3 from New Orleans. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fika. I'm sorry for the late start. Uh, one of the servers apparently is having a hard time hooking up, so it's just disrupting everything. And now, um, and now we're just going to ignore it. Okay, so hello, Tamara. <laughs> You're early. I'm late. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fika. Our guest, our patient guest this week is Taryn S. Taryn is an author, a Southern Conjuring witch, excuse me, <clears throat> and the, the founder of the House of Witchcraft. Today, we're focusing on her book. Conjuring Dirt, Magic of Footprints, Cross. Thank you, Taryn. Crossroads and Graveyards. And here's what this person is saying about it. <coughs> Conjuring Dirt is so many books in one. It's a history book describing the merging of cultures and faith paths, the good and the bad, honestly and compassionately through story. It's a memoir. We walk home from church with Taryn and her grandmother and spend time at Papa Nico's shop absorbing wisdom and knowledge as we did, as she did. And it's a comprehensive reference guide, giving us the methods to encourage a neighbor to move or help a loved one heal. Then when we ask ourselves why there are so many workings concerning jail and find the answer, we are humbled by the strength of those who created them. If you are a writer of fiction, anything mystical or magical and can't find a plot line idea or some necessary info in conjuring dirt i actually don't even know how to finish that sentence because i can't imagine it happening bravo taryn and welcome to fika oh my <laughs> thank you so much for all those kind words uh I, they're I, true <laughs> You know, you don't hear yourself very often through other people, uh, you know, with it, uh, Conjuring Dirt is a partial memoir, partial research, and a window into the modern folk magic, the modern Southern Conjuring that we are doing today. And so I was so happy when it finally got all the words out, put it down, and was able to publish it. It actually all started with a story in Bonadventure Cemetery. You read it in the book, The Story of Little Gracie. Yes, yes. That was the very first story I wrote down, and that was what inspired the rest of the book. Well, I'm glad Gracie inspired you. And I'm because there is so much in here that explains so much that you know you wonder about or you just didn't even know you didn't know but then suddenly there's the answer to something you didn't know you didn't know and you're like oh that's why because this culture permeates so much of of what is happening now who what you know the reasons behind we don't always know because that was all shushed up for the longest of time right um good little girls didn't you know bother with those things right <laughs> So no dogs bark. Um, <laughs> so the Gracie story inspired you, mm -hmm. and we might get into that later. But what? Just tell us a little about your history and what a conjuring witch is. I am a proud Southerner, and I'm had to wrap my head around that as someone of European descent and make peace with the history of my dirt. We have both triumph and tragedy. And we have a funky gumbo blending. I mean, I live right on the edge of the sea islands in Charleston. I live where the port of the Middle Passage was. 
when people, you know, the uh, enslaved Africans uh, came through the Middle Passage, they would have came to the Charleston area. Um, and it stayed like that for almost 200 years. And that contributed to this wonderful, funky gumbo and me having to find my way in it. I was exposed earlier, uh, very early in life, because my grandmother was a Southern Baptist mystic healer, prayer healer. And my first book, Hoodoo in the Psalms, I often tell people that was a love letter to my grandmother and her magic. She, the, the use of the Psalms that, you know, you can, through your faith, connect to divinity and, and heal someone. And then for me, Conjuring Dirt came about as a love letter to myself, where, you know, that making, like I said, making peace with the South and learning to unravel and give agency. As you pointed out, so much of our history is whitewashed, being able to stand in the truth of it. Well, well, I, I did. I was reading the workings, as you pointed me out, they're called. And it was jail and jail and jail, you know, how to get somebody out of jail, how to. And I was like, there's a lot of jail in there. Like, I, I'm not finding this necessary. Why is there so much jail in there? And then I was like, oh, okay, I understand. Because this this is a part of, this is such a big part of the life and and the fear and and I mean and such a big part of taking things into your hands without whatever power you have within who do where you're dealing within an African dysphoria magical system you are working on a daily basis the injustices that are happening around you all right um, you know, even today, um, black folk don't call the police. That's the last person. No, no. And, and it's even influenced where today with, you know, um, the way our bail systems are working and everything else, you know, if you're part of the poor folk, working class type people, you don't have the same opportunities as the two, three percent. You can't be calling your lawyer up. You sit in jail. All right. We're still facing the same things. Granted, not at the level, nor would I ever put them, equate them together. But the injustices are still happening. Right, right. And and there's still a reason. There's still a need for the ability to reach out in whatever way you can to yes. to stop them. So knowing your own dirt, I find a very clever title because it works in all the ways to know the land that you stand on, to get comfortable with it and sink those feet in there and to know the past and what what the dirty past will say that people like to shove under the, the carpet. It is. It is easier to shove it under the carpet. It's a lot of times I've heard, oh, it's, it's too complex. That's too complicated for folks. Where that's the reasoning when I ask, well, why didn't you tell this part of it? Oh, well, that's just complicated. I'm like, no, we need the complicated part. Yeah, the truth is never complicated. All right, we need it's to simple. hear it. <clears throat> and, and I think we're getting better at it. And putting those pieces together, I think one of the biggest things I've seen here in my area is our plantation tours, because I live in the plantation district, um, where I can remember 20 years ago going up to Middleton Plantation and the cute white girl dressed in an antebellum dress running around the lawn doing some weird gone with the wind reacting thing, talking about how wonderful the plantation was. Versus if I go out there today, they've, they have designated where the enslaved cemetery graveyard is. Part of the tour tells you what's going on. We are getting better. The conversation is changing. Yes. But and it still needs to change more. And I think this <laughs> is a lot more. And this, and this, um, <clears throat> and this addresses that because you grew up in a very diverse and varied life. 
<clears throat> and you've continued that throughout. You've been with everyone and everywhere and, and, um, and, you know, found, found your place in it. That is, is that your place in it comfortable or not? <laughs> you found it. After 40 years. Um, yeah, I, I've always wanted to know why. I think one of the things as far as, you know, witch, what is a witch? Is somebody that leans in with wonderment. We want to know why. And I think that side of me is what drove my conjuring side. Curiosity. Yes, just the absolute it, curiosity. It, 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 yes, it, it moves a lot of things in the world. And I'm lucky enough that I can go talk to my, you know, neighbor. I can go talk to the Gullah folk down the street from me and hear the stories through them. Well, and you worked for 20 years with Papa Nico in it's a bot botanica, it's called. Botanica. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna try to pronounce it. You said it, that's good enough. Um, and learning from him, and he actually gave you lists to put in this book. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so so there's there's a, a great relationship there, and and you've moved through these relationships and shared them honestly within the book crediting i crediting the people who come up with things the proper um ethnicity the proper country the proper faith with anything that is in this book and i think aside from you i think that's what i like about all the moon um books is that there's always this giant reference guide you know as soon as <laughs> someone says and i thought of this yesterday so you put the credit of who thought of it who worked with it and then you say this is what i do with it mm -hmm. and that's and that's where you come in so i think that you know i don't trust books without these huge reference guides anymore because why are you not telling me where the information is coming from i want to go read that i want to check it and and you know the yes it was for us i got into the middleton journals henry hyatt middleton right did. right at the end yeah and i talk a little bit about that but what i really is that that was a five-year journey a six-year journey within reading it because i found out that some of the entries were like right in my neighborhood Right, right. It's it's, so, it's so for anybody who doesn't know it um this gentleman whose name is <clears throat> not going to um stick in my head at the moment went around interviewing people about their experiences with like folk magic who do was a specific was who it, do conjuration who do conjuration and folk magic practice by some people that we can't say what he said. That's okay. Yes. Yes. So it's not to be read aloud. This book is not to be read aloud. Um, well, it was written for its time period. Yeah. No. No. And so there are books that, yeah, you you read because you're interested, but they're very uncomfortable to read aloud because of the the terminology. And so it's best just to read them to yourself. We don't have to read everything out loud. But it was it was very much um, what Taryn pointed out was that you you have to take all of those things with a grain of salt because there would be um, prejudice involved aside from the regular ones. There would be the usual, you know, line them up um, prejudice of education because he was, I mean, there always seems to be ministers doing this. I know with the elves in um, the fairy um, witnessing in, in Britain and stuff. Um, so there would be, and, and they were the quite educated people at that time. So there would be a educational prejudice. There would be like, so you have to take all of that plus trying to prove their personal theories you have to take all of that into consideration when reading these books. When you are dealing with hoodoo and you're dealing with Southern style folk magic, you are dealing with an African diaspora magical systems. We, that is our okra and our gumbo and any good Southerner knows you can't have gumbo without okra. Okra comes from Africa. It came on the Middle Passage. Squatch came on the Middle Passage. So much of the foods that we eat 
came to us via the Middle Passage, the reason why we cook our collard greens the way we do. All right, we carry that and giving credit to it. I often tell people, if you want to learn about my world, there's this wonderful Netflix documentary called High on the Hog. And it talks about how Africa came to the South and how all of us Southerners run around eating African dishes, thinking we're eating Southern dishes. And it is a wonderful way because a lot of times we think Africa, not understanding that's a continent. There are countries, there are regions, there are flavors. You know, the it, it's a rabbit hole to go down and I encourage everybody to go down it. Well, <clears throat> because this journey involved you into really looking at things honestly and facing them and still liking yourself on the other side. Yes, ma'am. The biggest thing that I talk with folks is that um, uh, understand that I lay flowers on CSA grades, Confederate States of America. All right. Because here in the South, if you go to even if you go to Bonaventure Cemetery in Savannah, Georgia, you will see CSA grades. All right. And learning to make peace with that learning to understand that those people were in their times with the information they had. Uh, the average Southerner was a poor working class person who was illiterate. We had an illiteracy rate of 80%. All right, it wasn't until later on, closer to the 1930s, that we all started reading better. Right, right. So the few actually controlled almost yeah, everyone. a lot like today. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very much, very much. But you know how it is we're, today where they get all that misinformation? You would have these, you know, folks come doing what they call stumpings. And a stump is a stumping is where you go to the middle of the town, you stand on a stump, and you start talking. And that was their news. So what we would call soapboxing. There you go. You know, <laughs> every place has a different word for something. And just understanding that different word helps you understand the people. When we understand the stories, we understand the people. And this is why you call con dirt conjuring, dirt workings, um, the working man's mm -hmm. magic, the everyday magic, which I love. What I love about this book, it is so practical because everyday people do not have time. They're going to work. And right. in those days, they were working 24-7 just to, you know, put the biscuits on the table. Um, they, they had to take care of the house. Um, they had to do all of those things more so we have to do those things today but they were a little more difficult without you know automatics and things automatic washers and things like that <laughs> i wasn't talking yeah. the guns i thought i better specify that i love, I love your what your the working people are busy yes yes uh, and that a working man's magic is not about trying to ascend to the gods, change the path of the universe. It's about trying to get a parking space so I ain't late for work. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's about everything we went through before this show. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get it moving, get it going on. Exactly. So, and sometimes I'm that person. <laughs> like, you know, you're trying to pay the bills, but they just keep going up. A lot of people are that person these days. Um, times are changing again, <clears throat> as they often do. So I like that the book is about that. But we have marketed, um, you know, ingredients as well. And, you know, Workmen can't always afford those, but you say they're not as good anyways. Um, why are they not as good, Taryn? It's not your dirt. It don't have no story. You ain't got no connection to it. You're, the most effective things you can get are what's around you, what's part of your region, 
what you're connected to. What you, it's part of your ancestry. It's part of your culture. You know, it's your community. And, and that's what you need to, to turn to. And, you know, when you, uh, dandelion is a, a very powerful conjuring herb. All right. And you think about a dandelion, you can't get rid of that dang thing to save your life. <laughs> you done tried pulling it out of your yard repeatedly. You done stuff poured on it. So what is a better herb? What's a better root? What's a better plant to use for perseverance? There, exactly. There is not nothing. I think I wrote a story, short story, but because there is nothing stronger in this world than a dandelion. They get stepped on. They get. They pop right back up again. And and so go out in your yard and grab that dandelion root. You know when you're looking for your magic to work between cracks. Dandelions do the best of growing between a crack. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are. They just keep coming back no matter. Whereas what. if we get into you know herbs from faraway places, things from India, things from Europe, and some of the grimoire traditions, some of the old spell books, they have these ingredients. I've never seen that herb before. I don't know how it grows. I don't know any of its neighbors. I know nothing about it other than this little thing that says, use this for prosperity. <laughs> the properties, right? <laughs> but how does that truly connect me to it? And so it's so important to be using what you're connected to. What you have, yeah. as our grandmothers did. I mean, yeah. people didn't just go out and buy some, a new pair of pants if they had a hole in it. They patched them up and used what they had. And and I think I think in any area we are, that's I I agree. Not that my agreement is important. You're a very smart lady, but <laughs> well, I think we, we suffered from too much information and found out that like you know. These people in England were using the cool herbs and we're like, ooh, I wonder if they work for us. And, and we had to figure it out. It, sometimes you have to travel the world to come home. I No, exactly. You have, you know, when you say, okay, people say, just be happy. And you're like, well, that's just silly, right? <laughs> just be happy. So you go through every belief system. <laughs> There is. And then you realize they all come down to just be happy. <laughs> but you couldn't have done that if you hadn't gone that whole journey. The Dorothy thing, right? Yes. And so it's, I mean, I started out as, you know, a young conjuring young witch with these overcomplicated workings, overcomplicated spells, ingredients that I was sending off for. And I look back and think about all the aggravation of trying to do it versus the simplicity of my magic now. Uh, and it's far more effective. Um, you know, manifesting isn't about putting a pile together. It's about the energies you bring up. And so I think all of us take that journey of overcomplicating before we learn to simplify. And then, like I said, traveling around before we understand it was always in our backyard. Exactly. Always, always in our in our backyard. And I think this is another level on which this book touched me because I've always I've always had nomadic leanings. Like I always want to always get shoved back home somehow. So, so I've had a little difficulty. Um connecting for whatever reason connecting and sticking my feet down and staying there and so this book sort of was you know um i want inspirational it inspired me it to take another look at at the ground around me because i do um for for medical reasons for my husband i need to stay here and i've been doing my best to say okay you're here vicky that's the way <laughs> and be happy but this has given me a little extra boost other little things that i can do so oh. i would say get the plant app 
They have free plant apps. Go out in your backyard and start finding out what you have. Well, I do. I have, when we bought this house, it, it, it's on the edge of a forest. So I have like this old oak trees branch that like comes right over the back corner. I have, and I've done all of that over time and, and they're friendly. It's not that they don't feel welcome. I <laughs> just don't it's about me it's just you know it's been like this other person who just had the ocean in her mind you're living by the ocean you don't it was an ocean thing okay that just which brings us okay so we're going to use an example here and a question came to me the other day and i just i wanted to ask you because i took a picture of my dirt that I brought home from Nova Scotia when I wanted to move there. And it's like sand. And they said, well, that's sand, that's not dirt. And I said, well, in the context of conjuring, I would think that soil, sand, it's all dirt, right? Okay, yes. so I yeah. didn't know I was doing anything at the time, but I just like, I'm bringing some of that dirt home with me, right, that I'm standing on. So I put it in a jar and I brought it home to focus me on getting back out there. Um, but now it's staying... I'm staying put, but I kind of like this because it's the softest, most silkiest <laughs> sand I've ever felt. Right. So is there anything I can do to change? Like, I mean, I can change my thinking, but is there something physical I can do that will change the intention behind the sand or does it need to go? Taryn, this is what I need. I, I first, I'm like, mm, got to remember we're working on subjective. That's what makes working dirt so hard. <laughs> dirt ain't my dirt. Uh, what works for one may not work for another. What I, my first thought on what you're telling me is this is a dirt of memory. Yes. You had a beautiful time in Nova Scotia. It was a very memorable. You liked it. You liked it enough to take the dirt with you. Um, <laughs> I know most people don't do that. But I no, do. Actually, you would be amazed at how many people <laughs> take dirt from places because they, I know because they talk to me about it. Because um, <laughs> yeah, you're the dirt lady. <laughs> I find out about all sorts of people's dirts. Um, <laughs> But it would also make me wonder if you don't actually carry a, a spiritual memory to that place where potentially in previous lives you may have been there. And this is a previous life connecting. If you carry a genetic memory where you may have an ancestor of that place. And again, it's calling to you. It is a dirt that you need to put on your altar and honor as a wonderful memory and experience that you had. Yeah, no, it is a beautiful memory. And, and to experience. honor that memory. And if, you know, it's not necessarily a dirt of, I want to move there. <laughs> Just because I <laughs> take a dirt from someplace. I have some Sedona, Arizona dirt. I don't ever want to live there. <laughs> But I really loved the place. And like you're saying, I love the way the dirt. I was like, ooh, this is good dirt. <laughs> and I have it labeled Sedona, Arizona. And it's part of my experiences. It's my scrapbook of memories. And when I pick up that little thing of Sedona dirt, it brings it back. Like you picked up your Nova Scotia dirt. And you could almost see your energy changing because you're like, Nova Scotia. <laughs> it is. It's a happy place for me. <laughs> so use it as a happy dirt. Okay. Okay. Thank you. This this was my intention, but you know, I like to get second opinions, especially if I'm talking to the dirt lady. Okay. <laughs> like, okay I'll share my dirt. I would tell you, I was predestined to write this book and I did not know it. And, and how I know this was because in the 10th grade, I did a report on mud in my biology class. <laughs> and I took mud and dirt to levels my teacher did not know. And later <laughs> told me that that was the most comprehensive report she's ever had on dirt. On mud. dirt. <laughs> and I actually made mud. I made different types of mud in class to show that different dirts make different mud. Well, and, see, I... 
I've been thinking about that all week because I had a horticultural teacher in high school who, you know, people would say, okay, hand me the dirt. And he would say, that's not dirt, that's soil. And I'm like, well, now we're calling it dirt. <laughs> Don't you tell me <laughs> that it's not dirt. <laughs> it's funny, though, how how even what you call something can have like a sort of class related kind of, you know, um, um, level. I just thought of that. That is it. So you, you put in the book that, you know, you get dirt from certain places and they will have the meanings like the dandelion you pointed out, um, would have the different meanings, but one of the strongest, then you go on to talk about two of the strongest places for getting dirt are crossroads and graveyards and graveyards are dangerous not because of anything spiritual but because you got fined getting some <laughs> you can be you'll be looking for some jail working soon <laughs> so so you have to follow certain rules i had to put the story in there because it was <laughs> I, I actually still have the receipt <laughs> Right. I paid the fine and they gave me she's, she's she's proud. <laughs> she's proud of that fine. <laughs> I spend too much time in great Um it, I broke the rules. And that's where it's so important when you go into uh, a cemetery or a graveyard, a graveyard's associated with a church typically are with some sort of congregation, whereas the cemetery is not. It is a more park-like atmosphere. Both of them have rules. You need to follow those rules. I didn't. And I left a small offering on a grave, and that is considered defacing a grave in this cemetery, and they fined me for it. They actually... They like came and took me to the office and if I didn't pay they were going to call the police I got shook down at the cemetery <laughs> um, that sounds like a song <laughs> I'll have to give that one like up to yes um, <laughs> a country song you know, uh, with it um and it's also about walking in honor reverence and respect uh, this isn't play dirt this no. is the essence of someone's life. And you don't just, you know, dark tourism. That was a big concern about that section. When I was writing about the cemeteries, I had so many back and forth because I did not want to encourage bad behavior. No, no, but you also can't control it. Right. It's that line that you what we're hey, I done told you everything and the rest is on you. But I really want to the, the biggest thing that I talk about is honor, reverence, and respect. You know, you don't just because you can walk in a graveyard don't mean you can take dirt out of that graveyard. That may not be yours. If you don't have a connection, a reason, you ought not be doing that. So, so you're looking actually in most cases for a relative, someone who held special meaning for you that they can still help you with their wisdom um, after they pass. And there's, and there's a great deal of connect as we, we've talked before about working with ancestors. This is basically ancestral work. Yes. Yes. And then the after midnight, obviously, you're making a pack with a spirit that is typically not ancestral based, but is based within the working itself. So it if often, I often tell people like a judge, you know, uh, judges dirt is subjective. You got to make sure that you got the right judge. Is he a fair judge or is he a corrupt judge? And are you looking for a corrupt judge? Are you looking for a fair judge? Well, yes, because it's fair to say that not all the workings in this book are of a positive nature. Well, they may be positive to you, but they won't be the person. I'm all... <laughs> Within um, the Southern folk magic, you have to, we work on the basis of righteous vengeance. Um, an eye for an eye, 
Uh, well, no, it, I, I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm just is how we uh, go about this. But we—it's a balance. It's you. You. You give as good as you got. You don't inflate. It's uh, well. Once again, like so, if someone slaps you, you have the right to slap them back. The working people don't always have the luxury of being the bigger person all the time. And they're tired and cranky people because they've been working. So don't mess with them. <laughs> and we have the right to defend. We have the right to protect. We, you know, uh, like I said, back to that within folk magic, we're about fair. And if fair means that you need to be slapped upside the head, then we're going to slap you upside your head. Because that's um, fair. <laughs> that's well, and this is not just to to be fair, this is not just the South. Folk magic in general is is very balanced. Okay. There is a respect in folk magic towards other people that if it's not followed, I mean it it comes down to the, the fairies. Yeah, they're, they're no, you know, I think I don't think you ought to, you know, go around cursing on folks all the time. <laughs> because it can come back on you at all and Um, with all of these workings it could come back on you i think that if you live your life well you don't have to worry about those things uh and that it's good to have the knowledge i mean i have a lot of knowledge on after midnight but I don't typically, if ever, even consider that. Well, yes, just to point out, when it comes to um, witch's house, <laughs> dirt, <laughs> Taryn has said, hers is not up for offering, so don't come knocking on her door. And if you want witch's dirt, you better ask for it. And as a show disclaimer, I would like to point out that Vicky has never hexed or cursed anyone. <laughs> right. I, that's why, you know, yes, I, I wrote about this this other side because that which heals also harms. We need to have both sides of the knowledge, but no way do I ever encourage that as a solution. No, no. But it is knowledge and it is interesting and it makes you see the life of the people that that thought of these things that so that you could put them in your book you know back to the jail thing back to the justice thing um you're not being listened to nobody cares you need to do i mean people moms have kids and and they are going to take care of them in whatever way they can so it's it it um yeah it makes perfect sense to me and so when i read it i looked at them as this is interesting why would somebody need this kind of help well also you have to understand within a lot of these communities like i said you didn't call the police you didn't go to the judge you did it in community so you were like you went and had the magical person put a curse on him and that was justice that was the judge that That's- was the sentence Right, right, right. That that was the way it was done. That's the justice system. All right, we don't work at words like, you know, I, I don't want to go see the judge. What do I want to see him for? He don't know nothing. You go to one of the elders in the community, uh, just, you know, the, yeah. You know, I mean, Papa Nico, it, you know, some of his business is working on the dark side but it's working justified. He won't do it if he doesn't believe it ought not be done. And when they do it, then they're like, I don't have to call the police now. It's been taken care of. Papa Mm -hmm. Nico took care of it. And And, and it's done and I can move on with my life. No, no, because yeah, all that stuff costs money. It's Um, a sense of justice. It's a sense of they got what was deserved to them. Like you said, now I can move on. I know that they got punished. And that they learn better, and now we're going to move on as a community. And so, so there's a whole different mentality on it. With people come up to, to the shop. I, I was at the shop last week listening to to someone putting their case before Nico. And oh, and Nico ended up telling him he needed to talk with the other guy first. Yeah, no, they are the wise people. I, and, you know, 
it, it, we, you have to look at everything with open eyes, not judging ones to see how it all works when you go into a world that's not yours. And I think that's the problem with a lot of things. People are just taking it from their perspective, um, their world's perspective, instead of the whole that this it's all a bunch of little worlds out there people all a bunch yes. of little stories all a bunch of little histories and we just need to see them as such but i'm interested okay I'm <laughs> because as you said you want to make sure you get a fair judge or a crooked judge so you're looking that person in that grave that you're connecting with you're looking at who you think of them as or who they're remembered as as the kind of power they are going to give you, the kind of magic they are going to give you. So because I'm a backwards person, I was pushed that backwards and said, okay, so what kind of magic would people come to my grave for? And if if I were to, you know, be in a grave and and what kind would I want them to do be in? And I better start working on that now. You know, <laughs> what kind of magic am I going to put out after I'm gone? So, Taryn, do you ever think of this? And what kind of magic would you like people to comfort to you for? I hope that they come and get my dirt and put it on their altar as a form of inspiration and empowerment. Uh, one of my favorite sayings is, do you boo? And I hope they take it and use it in that regard. I can see and that. That's where I've lived my life. And so, yeah, please come. You can have my dirt. Um, and I hope it inspires you to find your dirt. So after she's in the grave, you can come and do her, you can get her dirt. But you can't get any witch. True Southern Conjuring folk, we're not going to let you know what you put were buried at. <laughs> Really there's that story about at the mayor i think of that when that church burned down and then oh, you're people were yes yeah sheriff jeter and doc buzzer <laughs> yeah so yes yes this is a this goes on the stories go on when you're gone and yes i i i consider that probably keeping your your uh, doc um, buzzard's grave is a very very protected secret doc buzzard um was a very very well-known a uh, root working man, conjure man, whatever you want to call him. He was Doc Buzzard. Uh, he lived in Beaufort, South Carolina, which is right between Charleston and Savannah. All right. Lived out on one of the sea islands. And he was known throughout the area. I mean, he was known from New York down to Miami, Florida. Folks came to see Doc Buzzard because he could get you out of jail and he could make sure that that corrupt judge, because for the time now, most uh, working class folk believe that judges only work for rich people. So Doc Buzzard was known for putting sprinkling powder, foot powder down in the courthouse. And one of the stories I didn't tell in the book that I wish I had and which was documented, this is a true story, Doc Buzzard was working for a client who's trying to get out of jail. He showed up at the courthouse and started sprinkling right in front of the judge. I mean, he's in the courthouse doing his little sprinkling. <laughs> and so Sheriff Jeter, who's the local sheriff, who's been putting up with Doc Buzzard by about 20 years now. He knows exactly what Doc Buzzard's up to. Sheriff Jeter stands up pulls out of his pocket a little powder and he starts sprinkling on his own. So now you got two conjuring folks sprinkling in a gray in the courtyard at the same time. And this is a true documented story. And when Doc Buzzer died, his clientele went to Sheriff Jeter, who became the local phones man. And for about 20, maybe close to 30 years in this, in it's actually my area you would go to Sheriff Jeter. You would go see the white sheriff because you knew he had been trained by the black root worker, Doc Buzzard. They used to work magic against each other all the time. So there, there's a legacy there. There's a continuation of from one person to, you know, there's a, there's a handing down kind of thing. It's not just 
it's this is this is very cool. <laughs> well, we have um our root workers are we typically like docs, like a uh, Papa Nico, some of the local folks call Dr. Nico. And it's like we have Doc Bones up on the North Carolina, South Carolina border. He's probably the fourth or fifth Doc Bones over the But that is the name. It's, it's like an honorary name. It's a title name. Yes, yeah. And sometimes Doc Doc sometimes, you know, uh Doc Bones is an old white guy, and sometimes he's a young black man. <laughs> over the course of the past, and I've I think I've got about 160 years of names with him, this title. It's just the person who came up behind. There is a connection between each of them as it's handed off. Right, right. Where they have worked with each other, maybe an apprenticeship over years, or sometimes there was a rivalry where they were almost adversaries for several years. One of them dies and then the other one takes it over. And no, it makes it makes perfect sense. Um Okay, um, Tamara, if you're still here, goodbye, and thanks for coming as long as you could. Um, okay, so Dave wants to know, and this is, <clears throat> okay, we're up here in Canada. So okay. all this that you're telling us is sort of like ripe with like, imagine, like it's just like, Okay, let's you know, see. it's your life, but it's cool. So what he wants to know is in Hollywood, witchcraft is always portrayed as something evil or bad. Are there any movies or TV shows that kind of get it right or that you recommend? Would love to hear your thoughts. And specifically on Southern Witches, I think, because there's a... It's, it's, it, I'm like thinking, is there anything that gets us right? <laughs> there's bits and pieces of us. Uh, out there, I think uh, one of our time honor, what is it, practical magic? Is, I was gonna just say that <laughs> it's probably about as close as you're gonna get in. Um, when I was reading this, I was thinking you, practical you, magic. They use the the pigeon for a love working, and they they go at its heart. Uh, and when I first saw that, I was sitting there like, oh, who is the consultation person on this movie? Because they know what they're talking about. That is true. That is an old working that we have used for hundreds of years. I've never personally done it because I like pigeons. <laughs> um, oh, I'm just not that witch. Yeah, you know? no, that's what that's what came to my mind when I was reading Conjuring Dirt. I thought this sounds like their kind of magic impractical magic there isn't it, first getting um especially low country where i'm at that southern low country magic our folk magic is distinctly different than like the new orleans the marie laveau magic and and they suffer the same fate that we suffer from where, where hollywood has made us into things yeah. we're not we don't talk to Hollywood either. So we're not forthcoming with information. So it's not really their fault. Yeah. So you're sending, you're not sending a representative saying, this is who we are. Please portray us in this way. It's, it's, it's yeah, we don't, we're not speaking, but we're not going to either. Uh, you know, I've had a couple of things over the years where I've been approached and I'm like, I can't do that. You're asking me to to speak for an entirety. I don't have that capability. Uh, not to mention the fact that so much of what we speak is within families, within small regions. And the who is going to be known. And so I don't need you disrespecting on these folks. Yeah, yeah, no, no. So for the same distrust that people would have when the minister came and asked them about, um, you know, like there is that sense of, that's one thing you see in the movies, the sense of distrust in the South <laughs> of any authority. And I'm, I'm thinking that is real because of the past. They do. And I've seen like, I, been to you know like magical conferences and gatherings where we'll have TV producers, executives there trying to get one of us to talk. And the last time one of us talked was 
what was that weird MTV show, Surreal Life, where they did terrible things to that poor woman. I, uh, Fiona Horn was the witch. And so, she came with good intentions. And when they were done editing her, they made her look like this dark, discombobulated, almost unintelligent person who's well, because like, I'm a witch. It Like everything, they go for the views, they go for the clicks, they go for, and this is what people want. They don't want to know, you know, it's a young mother working in her kitchen and taking on this, or a secretary who's, you know, having to work late, or, or you know, a grandmother who's just worried about her family. I was like, our reality show really wouldn't be that. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone's exciting as they put in reality. It wouldn't be that. I'm thinking we're really not. You know, uh, we're, we're, we're typically living our lives. We go to work. We work. We're productive members of our communities. And we may have somebody knock on our door in the evening asking for a little help. Well, see, and this was the point of me doing these shows in a mainstream area is because people don't understand who witches are or what they do. And I mean, what we've seen is <clears throat> none of them are the same. So <laughs> don't try to go there. But they're not what we see portrayed in stories, definitely. And they're just regular folks and with a lot regular folks who have a tendency towards wanting freedom and and learning and curious i think <laughs> yeah i like that i really like that i'm like yes that's yes that's what we're about um you know that we do understand that there's energies out there and we can tilt the universe a little bit in our favor periodically but in order to do that we have to live our lives right we have to live our lives well you know, I can't ask for blessings if I'm out being a shit. No, it's all it's all about balance and giving. Right, and, yeah. So if and, I want a good life, I have to be a good person. It only makes sense. It's like anything. Okay. If, you know, anything that's going to complicate your life is probably not a good thing to do. Okay. Right, and, and these, <laughs> on the movies and TVs, there's always this acquiring of power. And I'm like, no, we really don't. Oh, Willow and Buffy. We're, we're not about that. If anything, we're about giving it away. Like I spoke earlier from my personal dirt. I hope it inspires others to go do themselves. But you know? I would, I, I'm not above giving a cackle if that's going to keep a door to door solicitor away. <laughs> and I also think that there are other creative ways to deal with situations. And yes, no, there's no, I, I know that I brought up that it was, but for know, me, that was interesting because it showed me what is needed, what they needed. Those mm -hmm. workings showed me what life was about. And I think we have to look at, at those, at those things. Like I said, it's a history reference as well, because you just have to look at, you know, it's not history as in battles or whatever. It's history of real people. And you can see the workings change from our plantation workings that we have documentation of, and then going through reparations after the Civil War, going through that time period. You can actually see the workings change. And then when we get into the Jim Crow era is when you really see a lot of those stay out of jail workings coming into play. Right, right, right. All right. I mean, the, our earliest workings are about, you know, getting the master off your back, uh, being able to feed your family, and also about healing. Uh, I would say the oldest of, in my area, our recipes for workings, the oldest ones are dealing with healing because right. of sickness. Yes, and then yes. from sickness, they're dealing with justice. And they're asking for, for again, fairness, for, for justice, you know. Um, and what we would consider abundance, but just to put food on the table. Yeah. Subsidies. They just wanted to eat. <clears throat> the basics. And under, the, again, the complicated layers of these different time periods, 
because during the reparations, when we get into from the 1870s into the 1910s, is the same time that we're bringing in uh, large immigrants, like the Irish were coming in for that time period, and they were not deemed white. All right, for all you folks of Irish descent, <laughs> you were not white. <laughs> well, we definitely couldn't get an employment because we're troublemakers. <laughs> New York City had signs, no dogs, no Irish allowed. Um, yes, yes, that was, that was us. You were um, white. So that put you into the black neighborhoods. So you see this funky gumbo occurring where when we talk about how Southern Conjure came about, all right, and, and we can see it, we can follow it through the people, poor working class Irish folk ended up in ghetto neighborhoods. Poor working class Irish folk, also Italian folks, also the Chinese who were building our railroads. All right, they ended up in the black neighborhoods and right as the ending of the Civil War, we have black uh, that were enslaved people that were feeding the poor white people. All right. I know my own, I'm of Irish descent as well. Um, and I'm part of the poor Irish. Uh, my grandmother tell, used to tell the story we're primitive Baptist. We were one of the, the Baptist churches that was integrated, meaning we have both black and white people within our con congregation. And then when the great schism occurred, and which is when we have Southern Baptist and we now have the AME, the African uh, church, uh, how that all came about. And you can actually see the workings, the recipes, the magic changing for these time periods. And that's what I love about it all is that it's, it's just this wonderful stories uh, where I'm like, why? Don't worry about the fiction. Let me tell you the truth. Well, I always say the truth is always more interesting than fiction. Always. And once I think <laughs> it's sad that we're not learning a lot of this history. Because Be, yeah, because because we could we could embrace each other in ourselves more truly when we see where we meet and um, and we met a lot in certain classes. I think it's more of a separation of class in a lot of cases than. Oh, it's than, definitely um, been a separation of class from yes. the first Dutch because it was the first aristocrats that were here in America were the Dutch and which founded New York City. That's where we have the high society blue blood 400s, you know. Um, but that's all from Dutch aristocrats in which you're like, no, no, we're up here, you're down there. And so America is very much a class system based within economics. And it's always been like that. Even when we get back into these later time periods, I mean, right down the street from me was a plantation owned by a black family. So, oh, wrap your head around that one if you would and like. This is, and this is the thing. When you pick up conjuring dirt, you're not just getting magic. <laughs> you're getting a whole history from the roots, okay? And a history that we have to face if we are going to find peace. And, and understanding these workings helps us to understand the people. I would say the, the most important thing I would like to convey is to look at your own backyard, look at your own town, you, 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 where you live right now is magical. All right. I've just been yes, yes. telling all these wonderful things about low country, like it's special. Well, it's special to me. No, but it, but it's, it, but, but it, it, there's other folks. Y'all get the same special that I have. You need to look at your hometown as if you're a tourist. Oh, I love that. And then, and then, I don't think I thought of that. I'd love to take the credit, but I'm sure somebody else thought of it. <laughs> so That's a great way to go and look and know who your town founders are. All right. When you're talking about, you know, wanting to have protective energies around you, knowing the name of your town founders, those are ancestors that want that town to thrive, to be safe. They want you to prosper. That's why they built the town. 
And that's why looking into the history of these things to find what works for you to find is, it's important. And, and that all comes through in the book. Taryn, you need to come back because we got like to question three. <laughs> I talked, I'm a southerner. I'll sit on the all afternoon. Um, I would love to come back. I have so enjoyed. Oh, okay. Dave, that question is going to, was, is going to, um, I, I think that maybe New Orleans, I don't, we're going to have to come back to it another time. Taryn has to come back. No, he is just wondering about the French influence, but that's more of a Louisiana thing. That is New Orleans. Yes. You're dealing with the French influence and what, what we deal with New Orleans who do and plantation who do. Um, you also have New Orleans voodoo and plantation voodoo. <laughs> so, so even in like a small area of mm -hmm. of there are so many different different shoots and things. <clears throat> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. French influence is very much so in the Louisiana, uh, New Orleans, because at one point they were a colony of France. Yes, and it was, yes. they were under French rule that allowed a lot of um, the intermingling. Um, yeah, because they were much more open to to that. And and so, no, we have to come back. You're going to have to um, pick a day. And so we can get through more questions and the other things you do and unravel. And uh, yeah, I just wish people would tell the stories because then we know and we can um we can look into it and see what we can do to you know to, um, to, to yeah. do the magic ourselves look at those look at those things and see what people need and provide that magic that's that's we're a part of it yes okay <laughs> I'm just sitting here nodding my head going, yes, ma'am. Right. Yes. Um, I just yeah. like hearing you say that. <laughs> so, so thank you for coming today. And, and I'm going to say we talked history and we talked stories and we talked a little bit about dirt, <laughs> the physical dirt. We talked about it, a lot of other dirt <laughs> and um, yeah, come, come back again. Um, sometime I, I usually I'll throw you some dates if you're okay. interested. And, I, I said, and, I'd love to come back. I, <laughs> I enjoy sharing my stories. Um, and, and and I really hope I inspired some of you folks out there to look at your own backyards a little different and to look to understand you are the magic. You ain't got to go across the pond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you might want to if you have nomadic tendencies. <laughs> Most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> Experience what you can. So you take care. And like I said, we'll talk. We'll talk soon, Taryn. Oh, <laughs> I lost her. Okay. Um, before we go, I just wanted to add, and we're running late. I just wanted to add a little bit of a Christmas, um, Christmas, a Halloween um treat. Um, and to make sure you know that Brian and I do get along. We are cordial to each other at times. He sent me this lovely Halloween poetry book in, in the mail. And it's something that anyone could do. And, well, I mean, not write such great poems. It has such great poems as, The ghosts that haunt us shall never be still until we are trapped as they. So lighten your load, throw guilt overboard, and you'll rise above the fray. And he's used public domain pictures. Uh, I got to get a good shot. Okay. So there's that nostalgia there. So thank you, Brian. I'll probably put, put more of these up on Facebook. I really appreciate this. And this is something loving that anybody can do out there. And I will see you all next week. Until then, may your coffee be hot and your story sweet. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>